is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Bozar. He's Matt Bozar. Today we have the third co-host, AZ Kapadia, is back on the show with us. Always, always good guests on First Down Rundown here. So today we've got some NFL talk. As you know, AZ's on the on the on the cast, so we got some NFL talk to cover here today. We're just going to give kind of an update on free agency in the NFL, and then we're also going to get into some announcer carousel that's been going on recently with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, everything like that. We're going to give you guys an update on that. We actually talked about it a little bit ago, but we're going to give you an update on some things that have actually been solidified in, in that sense. And so that's going to come at the end. And then if we have time where we might do some draft stuff, but we have pretty much all of April to talk about drafts. So um, that'll be kind of a continuous thing, I bet, over the next month. So if we have time, we'll kind of give you some preliminary draft thoughts, but um, we're going to do everything else first so that we get that in because that's the most important right now. And that's most relevant. So I guess to kind of just start off here, we're going to talk about the big moves in free agency recently since we did our last episode last Saturday. And then, yeah, we're just going to kind of go around and give our thoughts on, on those guys. Um, and then we're going to talk about the guys that haven't been signed yet and everything like that. So, AZ, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been a busy week. UVA had its pro pro day this past week, so just been really busy with all that stuff, talking to a lot of scouts. Um, so we're really getting into the whole draft season with – I think we're, like, literally a month away at this point. So I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to do maybe a mock draft with you guys in the next few weeks, so that will be yep. fun too, but – um, yeah, it's just it's been crazy. The NFL has been crazy, too. We saw Matt Ryan um, this past week. So, I mean, that's just been crazy. And, you know, just going right off the bat, like, I love that fit. I mean, a lot of people are talking about how, like, he's at the end of his career and um, the Colts, like, have another quarterback for, like, the fifth straight year, which, yeah, they do. But I think I think he's the answer, at least for the next three years, in my opinion, um like Matt Ryan I think is like 35 36 years old like he's never really like just being growing up a Falcons fan he's never really had an offensive line um other than really that Super Bowl year um and obviously the Colts known as like one of the better offensive line lines with Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly um so I think it's a great fit I think Chris Ballard and Frank Reich will you know really enjoy this fit with Matt Ryan um Michael Pittman uh, Matt Ryan, he did well when he had a solid running game with Devontae Freeman um, in his prime and Michael Turner earlier in his career. And I mean, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is probably the better of those three. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a really good fit. I think Matt Ryan will have uh, one of his better years this year, if not next year, in case it takes him like a year or two to get situated. But yeah, I love the fit. All right, Matt, uh, let's 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 get your thoughts on this and kind of see how you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing well, obviously, we as we all mentioned, like, you know, there's a lot going on these days with, with NFL free agency and stuff. And there's still kind of a lot to come. But I mean, 
from what I've listened to and kind of read just across the media so far, it definitely seems like everybody's in agreement that this is just one of the craziest off seasons in history, just with all the moves. And I think because of the star power in, in the moves that are being made uh, and, and the great players who are being traded to other organizations, which, you know, for compelling reasons. Right. So, yeah. So I think it's, that's kind of the cool part about this is like, there's just so much to talk about more so than in past years, which is awesome. And, and really, you know, obviously with contracts and everything like that, like, you know, you're not really always going to have, you know, a great offseason or whatever, but I think this is just for, for whatever reason, been, you know, there's been a ton of news and, and, and everything. And the crazy part is like, right. You know, it's only March, you know, we're not even into April, we're not even at the draft yet. So there's still a lot to come obviously with that. Um, and then to, right. To kind of, to start out too, with, with the Matt Ryan thing, like going off of what AZ was saying, I, I mean, I like the move. I think that, for the most part, it, it, I think the Colts have just kind of been in this weird position where, you know, after Peyton Manning left, however many years ago that was now, probably almost 10 years ago now, um, they were basically like, all right, you know what, we're going to tank for a year, we're going to build up our foundation from the ground up. And and they've always had, you know, Jim Mercy, all those guys who've been, you know, general managers and player personnel people for the Colts have always had good direction. They've known where they're going to go. They know how to build a football team solidly from the ground up and, and always kind of be in contention. Right. And so what they did was they scrapped the whole team and said, you know, we're going to basically rebuild. They tanked for one year. They spent their first round draft pick the very next year on Andrew Luck, who's, you know, this generational quarterback. He was amazing for the years that he did play. And they said, okay, look, you know, once we get our generational quarterback, once we get our franchise quarterback that we know, you know, can succeed and do whatever we're going to need for, for the, for the, uh, for the future, then we can build a team around him. And that's exactly what they've done. The problem is Andrew Luck decided to stop playing football, you know? So like, imagine this team now with Andrew Luck basically in his prime, or at least, you know, still in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, but, you know, definitely younger than, you know, what like a Philip Rivers and a Matt Ryan have been kind of in the in the past couple of years for the Colts. Like this team would be competing for championships, like seriously, you know, because of obviously, you know, Andrew Luck was was for the years that he was there carrying that team. I mean, the defense was pretty good, but, you know, they didn't have very many weapons and he was doing all that he could. And they were still, you know, beating the Chiefs, go to the AFC championship. They would have gone to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for the, you know, deflate gate thing. Right. So, like, there's been a lot of these situations with the Colts who, like, are an extremely solid team and they kind of are just trying to find a quarterback for the past three well, you know, basically four years now, ever since Andrew Luck left. And it's like, what if he had just stayed? And obviously, you know, we're not going to go and go into too deep about why Andrew Luck retired or whatever. And obviously, you know, it was best for him. So he needed to get out. So he did. But I just think it'd be, it's so interesting to kind of look back and see like, they did exactly what they wanted to do. The only thing they couldn't plan for was the fact that, you know, the best player on their team potentially could be the best player in the league right now just decided to stop playing. So, um, so yeah, so that was kind of just my start there on how the Colts are, I think just a really solid organization and just kind of unfortunate how they, you know, kind of experienced that little interruption there with, with, uh, with, with regards to Andrew Luck, but I do like the signing of Matt Ryan. I think that a lot of people think that he's washed, but people think that he's washed just because, right. He's been on the Falcons who are just kind of a, perennial little bit of a disorganized franchise kind of the kind of the opposite of the Colts right when you just think about you know organizationally from the top bottom and from top to the bottom and so I think that 
to a to a large extent, there there is potential here for Matt Ryan. And I think that you know his arm talent, sure, you know he doesn't have as great of an arm as he had when he was 25, but like nobody does. But because of the length of time that he's been in the league and, and the success that he has had, his knowledge of the game is superior to most people who are going to be playing that position right now. And so you don't need to be throwing the ball 70 yards down the field to be an effective quarterback in the NFL these days. And as AZ, AZ mentioned, they have good receivers and they have obviously, you know, a great offensive line and probably arguably the best running back in the league right now in Jonathan Taylor. So the pieces are there. And, you know, when they had Phillip Rivers two years ago, they got to the playoffs, right? Like they beat the Packers in the last game of the season that one time and they got to the playoffs and they, you know, it was, it was a good, and they ran into the bills. So like, yeah, you're, you know, that's going to happen every, every now and again. Um, but I think that for, for what the Colts are trying to build. And then obviously last year, they still made the playoffs and obviously had the whole, um, you know, the whole Carson Wentz thing. And, and that didn't really work out. But I think the car, Matt Ryan is weirdly, I, I never thought I would end up saying this, but Matt Ryan is, an upgrade over Carson Wentz, to be honest. And so I think that's where we're at right now. And I, and I like the signing and, and as AZ mentioned, you know, he, he, he's 35. So he has, you know, potentially even five more years left. He's never really, that was the other thing AZ mentioned, you know, he doesn't have, he's never really had an offensive line and he has gotten hit a lot, but I have, he's never really gotten hurt a lot. Right. So like, that's kind of what ends up happening to these, to these quarterbacks late in their careers is they get beat up, you know, they're not able to sustain it with their bodies and stuff. And so, yeah, he's gotten hit because he hasn't had, you know, great offensive lines, but he also hasn't really suffered those catastrophic injuries that we see, you know, take away a career of some guy. So I can definitely see him playing for, you know, for at least, the, the better part of the near future and, and with that defense and that offensive line and all the skill positions they have I think this is a really good overall signing for the Colts and I'm excited to see what they're able to do especially in an AFC South where you know the Titans are really your only competition and they're not even I mean you know they got rid of Julio Jones and you know they can they tr- can you trust Brian Hannahill at quarterback and yeah Derrick Henry's great but he went down for the last half of the year last year so there's I think a lot of potential here for the Colts to almost even just walk through this division and pr- basically you know kind of find themselves pretty pretty easily in the playoffs next year. Yeah. I think that everybody's talking about the super teams, like, you know, the, the Broncos and, and the chargers and everybody like that, who are building their teams this off season, who are signing so many of these good players. But I think a lot of people are forgetting about the super team that the Colts could become by literally just signing Matt Ryan, because they, they have all the other pieces, like we've been saying on this podcast. So it's just like, Matt Ryan, I mean, I think a lot of people forget that Matt Ryan was the first overall pick in the, in the 2008 draft. Like he's, he, he had a lot of talent coming, coming out of college and he still does have a lot of talent now. It's just that, again, he, he's been, he's kind of been overlooked in, in Atlanta just because Atlanta hasn't really done much other than, other than their, um, you know, their recent Super Bowl run. And yeah, it's just like that, that was kind of the highlight of his career. And, and then people kind of just started to forget about him towards the end or I guess after Super Bowl 51. Um, and so it's just, yeah, I, I think that he's going to surprise a lot of people in Indianapolis. I think that a lot of people, you know, he was just kind of one of those trades that was, that was like, okay, yeah, he, he got traded and the media said it and it's kind of over. Like nobody's, you know, everybody's still talking about the Tyreek Hill trade because that's an amazing trade that we're going to talk about later, but nobody's still talking about the Matt Ryan trade. Right. Cause, and it, it happened, you know, pretty recently. So it's just like, that's a little, you know, within the last week. So that's that's one of those things that I think is 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 a little bit weird with the Matt Ryan trade because not a lot of people are really are really giving it the credit that it needs. I think that a lot of people aren't giving it the credit that it needs. Um, and 
I think that all three of us definitely agree that Matt Ryan is a lot more important to the Colts than a lot of other people think they are or th- that he is. Now, the what the Falcons did with, you know, letting go of Matt Ryan, they needed a, to fill the void at quarterback. What the Falcons did was they went out and got Marcus Mariota. So this is kind of our second QB topic here. Um, and yeah, Marcus Mariota signed with the with the Falcons. I think that I guess just to start out with my thoughts, it's it's a little bit. It's a little bit weird of a trade. I think that a lot of people didn't really expect it just because Marcus Mariota hasn't, I mean, he hasn't really played in, in a few years, like three, four years. He hasn't, he hasn't started in that amount of time. He was the backup for the Raiders for a couple of years. And then he started out his career at Tennessee, but then Ryan Tannehill took over and he basically just got benched. And that's when he moved to the Raiders. And then he stayed there for a couple of years and played behind Derek Carr the Raiders used him in a, in a unique way. They A lot of times they would just like put him in for a read option and he would basically run the ball or hand it off. Um, and yeah, and then they would take him right back out. So it, it was a little bit weird how they used him there. Um, but it was it, it was more of like a just a trick play rather than like a, a two quarterback set there in, in Las Vegas because like Derek Carr played m- most of the game. Um, and so if you had, you know, if you had Marcus Mariota playing half the time everybody would know okay well Marcus Mar- Mariota is going to run because that's what they use him for but I think that they use him pretty well in Las Vegas I just don't I don't know if he's like completely ready to start on a, on a team we haven't really you know seen that from him again in, in, in a few years and so I don't know if he's completely ready I don't like it as much as the Matt Ryan signing but again I, I think the Falcons here were just like why not give him a chance right because I mean they're you know they might not have a chance to get a, a great one in the draft this year. The, the QB class in the draft is just not strong at all. I think we all agree on that. And so I think that what the Falcons were thinking with this one was just like, let's just go out and get somebody that's been in the league and has experience in the league so that we know that he at least, you know, like has some knowledge of the game flow and has some knowledge of how to play in the NFL rather than trying to get one of the quarterbacks in the draft that, you know, may not have experience. But I think that, yeah, overall, I think Marcus Mariota, he's he's not like he's definitely not washed or, you know, in, in any sense because he's still young, but we just haven't really been able to see his potential, I think. And Hayden, just to correct you, I mean, he's just he's only been with the Raiders for two years. So we have only not seen him start for two years. So I and like you said, like he's really young. And when you look at Ryan Tannehill, um, when he was traded, I'm not sure if he was traded or he was signed by the Titans. Um, from Miami, but he was 30 years old. Um, and Mariota's 28. And we've seen Tannehill have his like best seasons with the Titans, like at 30 years old. So I really like the signing. Um, I the reason I like it is because he worked with Arthur Smith in Tennessee. Um, there's a lot of familiarity with the scheme and system that they run in Atlanta now. Um and like you said, I mean, the with the quarterback class not being as great, like I think that this was a really good sign. The best option available for the Falcons with the whole Deshaun Watson thing not working out. Um, I've been a fan of Marcus Mariota. I think he's a really good quarterback, a system quarterback um, that you can really sort of maximize his strengths. And I think Arthur Smith will really know how to use him, um, use his feet, get out of the pocket and stuff like that. So um, the only thing that really concerns me with that team is just having a running back, finding a running game, the offensive line, as always, just being an issue. Um, but we have seen Marcus Mariota have some success with tight ends. So, you know, Kyle Pitts, you know, obviously he's going to turn into one of the better tight ends in the league. 
I'm just I'm curious to see he signed a two year deal. He can really rejuvenate his career there. Um, obviously not a long term option, but I mean, we we used to say that about Ryan Tannehill, right? Like, I mean, when Tannehill went to the Titans, we used to say, oh, yeah, he'll probably be there for a year or two or three years. And that's about it. But like the Titans aren't really looking at quarterbacks for the next few years. And I mean, he's been with them for, I think, three years now. So I think he'll retire there. So you never know. It can work out. He's only 28. He knows Arthur Smith. He knows the system. So I really like the fit. I think that was definitely their best option available after Matt Ryan. Um, not really a fan of the quarterback. Some of them I am um, in the draft, and we can go into that later. But yeah, I I I like the fit. Honestly, I don't know what I don't know what you think, Matt. I I didn't even really kind of piece together the Arthur Smith uh, thing there. That was that was pretty good that you picked up on that AC because I do think that that honestly probably increases the the I guess the rating I guess I would give it kind of in my mind I just I, I don't know I, I feel like the and again I know AZ, AZ's team is the Falcons but I, I, I kind of just feel like there's never a there's never a sense of direction there and and obviously it's you know there's a lot that goes on in the NFL and you have to have good player personnel and other thing, everything like that but it's like and Hayden touched on it a little bit too is like this is not a stacked quarterback class it was there was last year right but they didn't take it they didn't take a quarterback they took Kyle Pitts now obviously right as AZ mentioned too like Kyle Pitts can be really good. And so that is probably obviously worth the, you know, the fourth overall draft pick last year, but right. If you're going to trade away your franchise quarterback, who's been there for, you know, over 10 years now, you kind of would like to have something better than Marcus Mariota. I feel like, and, and yeah, he's, he's had spurts here and there that have been good, but I mean, let's think about those years in Tennessee after he got drafted. I mean, he, you know, he got drafted by Tennessee from, from Oregon and, you know, they were kind of just mediocre and it is the Titans too, who have gotten better since then. And obviously I think kind of Marcus Mariota and Derrick Henry kind of almost like Mariota basically just like missed Derrick Henry. I think it was like either his last year in Tennessee was when the first year that Derrick Henry was there. And so they like, didn't have, they weren't able to like play together as, as, you know, meshing well and kind of each being at their peaks. And I think that, I mean, thinking about that offense now, like that would be, I think about the, the read option, everything they could, that'd be like when Marcus Mariota was back playing at Oregon, right. That'd be like Tennessee's offense right now. I get AJ Brown on the outside. He's taken, he's taken, you know, uh, you know, handoff from, from, uh, you know, from the outside and stuff. So, I, I like the move, and I think that I think that Mariota can provide something that the Falcons haven't had in a long time. But I just feel like honestly, Matt Ryan's better, and so I think it's you know you're kind of in a losing situation with this trade. And obviously, you know they can, they can do whatever in the draft, and and you know if they do pick a quarterback, like you know right, they'll at least have Matt, uh, Marcus Mariota as someone to kind of just kind of hold the hold the fort down while they can kind of, you know, breed someone and, and you know, maybe kind of go in deeper a little bit in terms of who, you know, who they can kind of find as their next franchise quarterback. I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing here is to a certain extent, I can see this as a, almost a smart move on, on the Falcons part by almost saying like, look, Matt Ryan's almost at the end of his career. We don't want to kind of make him like still be our franchise quarterback and have a lot of expectation out of him when the team just overall isn't that great. So let's kind of move on from him, give him a chance somewhere else, but at the same time, kind of start to rebuild, you know, ourselves internally, you know, with the, with the kind of how the Falcons are moving right now. Um, so I think that could almost be a, a smart move in the sense that it's almost, you're kind of just, 
getting rid of the old regime and obviously, you know, they had the, Matt Ryan had the NFL MVP season that, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl, And so they, they had a good run with that regime. And now that's kind of, you know, that's kind of moved out. And I do think that Arthur Smith, Smith is a good coach too. So him being able to work with Marcus Mariota again, I think will, will, will be good. Um, but I think that, you know, too, you know, if we're, if we're talking about, you kind of also have to know just in the general landscape, and this is, this is applicable to all sports, football, basketball, anything, you kind of have to know where your organization stands in order to, you know, know what you need to do when it comes to building for the future. So if you're kind of just keeping the same players from another generation or, or that you think will kind of provide you some, you know, some benefit now, but you also know that the team won't be ready right now, you know, like, I think that could just, that could almost extend your your team and your organization's future just basically with mediocrity for even longer than if you were to just kind of blow everything up, start from the bottom, get a good coach and a good foundation in there, build everything up from the ground up, and, and in doing so kind of have a quarterback who in Marcus Merida who is dynamic, who can provide some some good uh, you know, and he, and I wouldn't even consider him as a veteran at this point, you know, some veteran quarterback kind of, you know, view on this whole thing. And so that's kind of my, my thing on it is, is I, I, I don't, I don't love it in terms of just like the overall talent, like switch there. But I do think that this is probably where the Falcons needed to go. If you want to kind of start building, you know, actually have a, have a direction for the team uh, to kind of go from, from here on out. And Matt, just to add on to that, like, I think you like said it really well, like with the direction of the team. I mean, I think this organization and, you know, I, I like the GM. I like Terry Fontenot. I'm not entirely sure about Arthur Smith, but his his scheme and everything he did in Tennessee really seemed to work. Um, so I sort of believe in that, too. But I mean, if you look at it, they're really looking two to three years from now. If you look at over the cap, like you look at their salary cap next year. They got rid of Julio Jones' contract. They got rid of Matt Ryan's contract. I think they're like either the first or second top team with cap space next year. Like that is a huge, I think it's like 183 million or something like that. And I mean, yeah, and they awesome. haven't had that, like just growing up a fan, like we have always been trying to like restructure contracts. We've always been in that category, but like this is going to be the first time in many, many, many years that we'll have like a lot of cap space to work with. Um, I think, I think, and then just thinking about the Marks Marriott assign, just one more thing on that. If you look at the quarterbacks they're looking at in the draft, it is Desmond Ritter and it is Matt Corral. And I don't know about you guys, but watching those two, they fit the style of play that sort of Mike Marks Marriott plays with. I mean, they use their feet a lot, play action, a lot of that stuff. So I think if you really deep dive into it, the signing, yeah, Mark Smith is not like an exceptional quarterback. He's not someone who's going to like carry teams and stuff. But like, if you look at someone, like you said, Matt, like breeding a quarterback, and if they draft one of those two behind Marcus Mariota, like they're, you know, they fit that mold of Mariota, like same build, same size, yeah, yeah. the way they run things. I mean, the more and more I think about the signing, the more I like it, Um that is depending on if they draft one of those two, we don't know what's going to happen, but I think, I think, you know, I think that's how the GM and the head coach are thinking just by the sign. They didn't want to sign on like a, you know, a pocket pass or something like that. Like they signed Mariota, not just because he's familiar with Arthur Smith, but you know, to fit that mold for that future quarterback they're looking for. Yeah, I think you're right. And again, it, it'll be kind of interesting to see if they, if they do kind of get one of those similar quarterbacks in the draft, just to kind of compete with Mariota and because both of those guys, like you said, have, have similar skill sets to Mariota. And so like, if you bring a, 
if you bring a rookie in to compete with Mariota, maybe that'll give him more motivation to, you know, kind of like see himself in those guys and say, okay, well, you know, I, I've, I've got to be better here and, 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 you know, give this team more, more than maybe more than people are expecting out of me. So that'll be interesting there. But I think the, the most like interesting part of today's episode, I think is going to be talking about the chiefs and yes, Tyreek Hill left, but we've, we've also got Demarcus Robinson who left, who's another wide receiver for the chiefs. He went to the Raiders and then Ronald Jones side with Kansas city. I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. So there's been some moves there. Um, I, I think, you know, first I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to talk more about, the Demarcus Robinson move, then I, I guess in combination with the Tyreek Hill move, I'm not going to really talk about Miami much. I'll, I'll probably let AZ and, and Matt talk more about Miami, but I think that Kansas city, it's really interesting what they're doing because you have Patrick Mahomes who has had Tyreek Hill, you know, Nicole Hardman, he's had Travis Kelsey for his whole time in Kansas city, basically. And so we're going to see him this year for the first time without two of his you know, two of his one number one receivers, he still does have Travis Kelsey, who is arguably his, you know, his number one receiver now, not arguably, who definitely is his number one receiver now. And he's really only got McCall Hardman and Travis Kelsey there. Like, you know, if you, if you think about Kansas city wide receivers, they let go of Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins is now on the Ravens. I'm pretty sure. So like, they don't really have much there with, with wide receivers. It'll be interesting to see if they go for a wide receiver in the draft. I think they have the 29th and 30th picks. Uh, they have two back-to-back picks in the first round. So that'll be interesting to see if they'll go with some with a wide receiver there because, again, they have, you know, a championship-ready team, but a lot of that team has been their wide receivers, and they just let go of not only Tyreek Hill, but also Demarcus Robinson, who was one of those guys who, when the, you know, when the pressure was on Tyreek Hill or McCall Hardman or Travis Kelsey, when teams were doubling those guys, Demarcus Robinson was one of those guys that was – always going to be open. And so he, you know, a lot of times he made big plays for Patrick Mahomes as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Again, I think that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and he's, he's going to be able to get it done. He's going to find a way, but he's not going to have his friend Tyreek who he can just chuck the ball up to, you know, 50 yards down the field. And he knows that Tyreek's going to go up and get it. He's not going to have that. Um, Again, I think I said it last episode. I think that McCall Hardman might take, um, might take on a little bit of that Tyreek role, but, I mean, you you just can't match the the talent of Ty, that Tyreek has had in um, in Kansas City and the, and the talent that he's given them. So I think that it's going to be it, it's going to be a little bit interesting to see what what Kansas City can do this season. Again, if they you know if they make some moves in the draft, I think that's what it's really going to come down to. But I think that this situation in Kansas City is is something that a lot of people are aren't really talking about. Everybody's looking at the Tyreek trade and they're saying. Oh, Miami's going to be so, you know, so good. Can Tua actually do it this year? You know, Miami's automatically a AFC championship contender. And it's like, yeah, but I think the, you know, one of the biggest losers of, of, you know, kind of this offseason may be Kansas City because they're, I mean, they, they're beefing up their divisional opponents by giving Demarcus Robinson to the Raiders. Like, I, I don't know why they did that. Again, Demarcus Robinson, he's not like the most well known receiver. He's not the receiver that's going to be, he's probably never going to be a wide receiver one, but you're still giving one of your key guys to a divisional opponent in the Raiders. I don't, I don't really see the sense in that trade. And maybe you guys do, but I'm, I'm going to leave it up to you guys to kind of discuss that more. Yeah. I'll talk about the dolphins real quick. I, and Hayden mentioned it. I, <laughs> I've never been a Tua believer. I'm still not. And I don't think that'll change unless he seriously proves something to me this year. It's just, 
I don't know. I mean, obviously he was great at Alabama, but that's because he had the best receivers in the entire world at Alabama. And so now I think we're kind of at that point where, interestingly enough, this is almost a replication of his time at Alabama, right? So that's what everybody says. Oh, well, he had the greatest receivers ever at Alabama. Well, he has some pretty darn good receivers this year, you know, kind of now with Tyreek Hill coming in. At, in Miami. And if he can make it happen, then sure, maybe it's just that weird thing that like Tua needs amazing receivers to be good. But if he can be good, then sure, it that's it was worth it for the Dolphins. It works out. They spent the money, but who, you know, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is happy to be there. He's getting paid. I think it could be good, but Tua needs to be the Tua that we saw in college. And I just don't think that, I think that he, it's just, he's just one of those examples of quarterback who, you know, was very successful in college because everything he had everything perfect around him, but then you get to the NFL and it's just a little bit, a little bit wishy-washy. So, and, and then kind of just going off of that, Hayden mentioned it, you know, like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes won't be able to throw, you know, a 70 yard bomb to Tyreek Hill anymore. And now, you know, two is going to have the ability to do that. But from what we've seen from Tua so far, he doesn't throw 70 yard bombs. He throws like two yard passes and his completion percentage is really high, but his yards like per game is really low. He'll, he'll be like, he'll be like, you know, 43 for 57 for like 104 yards. It's like, what are we doing here, man? So maybe Tyreek Hill will kind of allow the offense to be spread out a little bit much. He'll get a little bit more. He'll be able to get the ball downfield a little bit more, but Overall, I, I think that he is almost kind of still in that sense where like he doesn't want to mess up a ton because he doesn't want a ton of criticism and everything like that. And so he's just kind of playing it safe. He's playing conservative, which obviously, you know, it, it's better to be throwing short passes than to be turning the ball over. So in any case, you know, that kind of is, I guess, a, a smarter way to play, especially if you don't want to lose your job in the NFL. OK, OK, great. But then, too, you don't really have. I don't know. It just seems like you don't really have that if factor. And then the other thing with Tua is the injuries. And we saw this coming out of college. He hurt his hip several times at Alabama. It almost, it took him out of his last year, senior year. And then even last year, he was out for like half the season. Right. So it like, you kind of have this, I don't know. You kind of have this dynamic with him to where, you know, he, he, he's very conservative when he is playing. And then even when he is in, you're always kind of concerned that he might get hit wrong and, and just injure his hip again or injure his shoulder again. Right. So he's just a little bit beat up too. Now, but, here's kind of Matt, one of the things. But Matt, but yeah. Matt, just to cut you off real quick, I think they solved that with the signing of Teron Armstead, like one of the best left tackles, like a top yeah. three left tackle. So, you know, I think I think if you look at their offensive line the last couple of years, it's been really bad. And so, yeah, they they drafted someone really good last year. I think it was Austin Jackson. Um, I think they signed a guard this uh, this offseason too. And then Teron Armstead, like they went all out. So. I don't think, yeah, obviously you have a point. Like his injury is very concerning, but I think they're doing as much as they can to avoid that being an issue. And like you said, I think it's it's like this year is going to be sort of like a make or break for Tua. I think like if you look at it, like he's surrounded. He has Mike McDaniel, one of uh, the better offensive minds in the league. Um, and if you sort of look at it like next year, if Tua doesn't perform this year, like Miami's going to be a hot spot to go to for quarterbacks. If you really look at that. Yeah, no, that's very true. And that's a great point. I actually saw this funny meme on the internet. It was like the ultimate Tom Brady destination is like actually in Miami right now. So he yeah. like leaves the, he goes to back to the Patriots division just to hand it to Bill Belichick, um, which would be, which would be really funny. But no, I think you're exactly right. AZ, and, and they're doing that wouldn't their be best. Funny, actually. Right. 
they yeah <laughs> um they signed right and they used a, a first you know fifth overall draft pick on Tua you know not two years ago so like you you better get your worth out of that and clearly like he has the talent so I think that's fine the other interesting part that we didn't even write down on the sheet here is that the Dolphins also signed Teddy Bridgewater so he's going to be there you know and that's one of those things yeah. that if Tua's not kind of capable of doing that you have someone who's a proven veteran NFL quarterback who's done it before who can kind of come in and utilize those receivers too so I think that to a certain extent you know I think the Dolphins have done a really good job of kind of you know kind of covering their bases in terms of you know yes there's this fifth overall draft pick quarterback that we want to really preserve we want to make great and 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 provide the best resources that we can around him and I think they've done that both in the offensive line sense and in the you know the weapons on the receivers but they also have kind of, you know, covered the kind of the backup situation that in case Tua does get hurt or in case he just struggles a lot, you know, like, and he's not really kind of ready for the NFL or whatever. He doesn't perform too well. You have someone in Teddy Bridgewater who is, is can he gets in there and he wins, he wins games. Right. So I think that that's, that's kind of how I really like the way that the Dolphins have kind of structured this off season. I think they're kind of they're, they're really looking up heading into next season. And that defense is still good. I mean, you know, they, they, they were the number one defense in the NFL two years ago. Last year kind of regressed a little bit. Um, but, you know, but they still have a great defensive backfield. And I think that they can really stop a lot of the teams that have a lot of offensive firepower in the AFC now. That's what we've been talking about the last, like, three podcasts is how great the AFC is when it comes to offensive firepower. If the Dolphins can just mitigate a little bit of that and, you know, if they can make it to the playoffs, you know, however um, – because I think they could, you know, they could even maybe even challenge the Bills for the division, probably not. But if they can make it to the playoffs, get a wild card, stop some of the, you know, the more offensively firepower teams, and then just kind of have Tua as a game manager or Teddy Bridgewater as game manager with also those explosive players on the outside. I think they could, I think it's really looking, looking, looking up uh, for the Dolphins entering next season. And I, I sort of have a hot take on this. I, I like the trade for both teams. Um, and I know you guys might be like, wait, what are you talking about? Like they just lost, the Chiefs just lost, Ty, lost Tyreek. I, I don't know. When I, when I saw the trade, I was in like, I didn't think of like, what is Patrick Mahomes going to do? Or, you know, how is that offense going to look? Are they going to make the playoffs? Like that, that front office has drafted. And like, I pay attention, like I'm a nerd when it comes to front office stuff. So I pay attention to that front office a lot. So, like, the way they have drafted – I mean, think about it. They drafted Tyreek. They drafted Kelsey. They drafted Mahomes. What, what's stopping them from drafting another Tyreek this offseason? Yeah. And yeah. I think, like, if you look at the draft class for receivers this year, you have so many good receivers. I mean, you have Traylon Burks. You have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Um, you have Jahan Dotson from Penn State. And I think all those four guys, Burks, uh, Olave, maybe not Olave, maybe not Wilson, but – Jahan Dotson from Penn State. I mean, that guy's a speedster too. Like, and now if you look at the draft order, they have, I think, picks 28 and 29. They could use those two picks, maybe trade up in the, you know, in the 15, 16, 17 pick area and grab a Chris Olave, grab a Jahan Dotson. What's different about that offense then? You put Miko Hardman in a Demarcus Robinson role or Tyreek Hill role, and then you put Olave in a Demarcus. I mean, that offense looks the same then, you know what I mean? I mean, and obviously you're losing Tyree Kill, like one of the best receivers. Um, I mean, the fastest receiver in the NFL, but I mean, does that offense really change without Tyree guys? It's just, I think it's a win-win. They got an extra first round pick out of it. They, you know, they got rid of his contract. They didn't have to pay him. So they have cap space now to build that defense even more, um, which is really sort of stopping them from winning games and winning those Super Bowls is their defense. So spending more on that defense, focusing more on that defense. I mean, honestly, I think it's a win-win. I think it might be a hot take, but if you look at it, like 
And then with Miami, Mike McDaniel, he really knows how to use his guys. Jalen Waddle is going to turn out to be a star. If not, he's already a star. Um, that offense is going to be good, great. I think they signed um, – who was a Chase, – Chase Edmonds and uh, another 49ers running back they signed. But, I mean, Mike Gusecki, you use on – they can just run tight end screens the whole game, literally. The whole game, just run tight end screens, end arounds and stuff like that. Mike Gusecki, tight end screens. I mean, you run uh, receiver screens with Tyree Kill. I, I think it's a, it's a win-win for both teams, honestly. Yeah, I, I think one thing that we're going to see with this trade, though, is the fact that – and I saw this – I was, I think I was watching Sports Center or like First Take or something like that. And, and somebody said the fastest receiver in the NFL isn't really the fastest receiver if he's not on a good team. And I thought that that was really interesting. That, that, that was a really interesting take because if you think about it, like John Ross went to the Giants, he got drafted by the Giants, and he, and he, I don't even know if he's still playing for the Giants. I think he's like on the drafted, Cardinals. Drafted by the Bengals, and then he signed with the Giants this past season. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. 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 Yeah. So he's, so he's on the Giants now. Um, and we didn't really see him do anything with the Bengals. And, but he, I mean, he was the one that, that, you know, broke the 40 yard dash record in the combine, uh, you know, his year. So it was like, he's the fastest, you know, obviously he's one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, but we haven't seen anything from him. So I think that Tyree kill, we all know that Patrick Mahomes has made Tyree kill a lot better. And so it'll be a little bit interesting interesting to see if Tyree kill regresses with Tua, because again, like, we're, you know, we're saying, oh, Tyreek is, you know, the fastest guy in the NFL and he's, he's so good. But like, dude, a lot of that was Patrick Mahomes handing the ball off to him, you know, putting it right in his chest as, as he's coming across the field on a crosser. Can Tua do that? Can Tua, you know, hit him right in the chest on a 15 yard crosser coming up, coming across the field where he can really show off his speed? I like we've, we kind of discussed what Tua was, you know, able to do. And I don't, I don't really know if he's able to do that. And if he's, if he is able to do that, is he able to do it consistently to the point where they can actually utilize Tyreek to his full, to his full potential? I, I don't know. I, I think that um, that take about, you know, the fastest receiver, not being the fastest receiver, unless he's on the, you know, really good team. I think that's, I think that's a really interesting take and something to think about because again, you know, we may not be considering Tyreek Hill as one of the best receivers in the NFL this upcoming year, again, they've, you know, they've beefed up that offense to, you know, to no end with, with the new running backs and the, you know, Toronto Armstead on the offensive line. But I just think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit like shaky, I think still in Miami and we're going to, you know, it's, it's, it's no sure thing seeing that Tyree kill is going to, um, you know, going to actually perform to his fullest potential there. So another thing that I kind of want to talk about here is, Jameson Crowder to the Bills. This was kind of like an under the radar thing that happened. A lot of people aren't really talking about it, but Cole Beasley uh, got cut from the Bills pretty much. And I don't know if it was for, you know, his COVID reasons, because if you guys don't know, he's, you know, he's, he's refused to get vaccinated and everything like that. And that was a whole thing last season coming into the season because, um, you know, most of the, most of the Bills staff and players are vaccinated and he didn't get the, get the, didn't get the vaccine, whatever the case may be but they cut him this this year and so they don't really have that little slot guy um or they weren't going to have that little slot guy until they signed Jameson Crowder who's basically the same thing as Cole Beasley and you know Cole Beasley was that kind of check down for Josh Allen whenever Josh Allen got in trouble he could kind of you know rely on Cole Beasley to be you know in in, in the flats or kind of on that little whip route that Cole Beasley was so good at doing and so Jameson Crowder is that guy right and so I think that we're going to see the Bills kind of really benefit from that they have, again, you know, they're one of those teams that we know is going to be in contention for the AFC championship slash Super Bowl every year for, you know, for the next 
lot of years while Josh Allen is still there. So, yeah, I think that's that Jameson Crowder trade that hasn't really gotten much recognition. I think that's a great trade um, for a great signing for the Bills, because, again, the Bills kind of needed that needed to fill that void of that small receiver that, you know, that that quick guy that can get to the outside and, and get you a few yards if it's a third and short or something like that. So I think I think that's a great signing. And then I'm going to kind of hand it off to AZ and Matt here to talk about um, the the Robert Woods signing for Tennessee. I think that's a really interesting um, signing here again. Julio Jones is 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 out of Tennessee and I don't know what we'll see without Julio Jones but they you know they got Robert Woods and they've got AJ Brown there so go go ahead and take it away guys yeah I I like the signing um and I think that you kind of have to if you're Tennessee you have to get a guy like this and he's proven he's been good he's been good with the Rams and he's almost been I mean he was he was pretty much honestly like before Cooper Cup really started to kind of take over and do really well like Robert Woods was their number one receiver, right? So now he's going to a situation in Tennessee where they already have a number one receiver, number one receiver in AJ Brown. And he can kind of, I think, you know, he still needs to be respected as, as a top receiver in the league. Uh, and so I think that, you know, that, that could really allow Tennessee some, I, I think some, you know, some, some slack when it comes to not relying on Derrick Henry too much. And I think that's kind of the moral of the story here and what Tennessee's going to need to focus on for the next you know, five years, basically ever until Derrick Henry can basically stop running, you know, is the fact that like, yes, he is still going to be the focal point of that offense. But as we saw in the playoffs, hey, they got the number one seed in the AFC last year. You know, they're coming in red hot. They got a great offense. They got a great defense. They're ready to do it. And then they get beat by the Bengals in their first game, right? They get like, you get the first round by and then you get beat. And it was Derrick Henry didn't play well. And the Bengals defense, like they played well in the playoffs, but like they're nothing to write home about. They weren't even close to like anything like the Rams defense or you know, or the, or the Bills defense or whatever. So I think that you, if you're Tennessee, you need to get a guy like this because you need to provide Ryan Tannehill with some, or at least, you know, try to, try, if you're not going to be able to like make Ryan Tannehill better, you can at least make the situation better so that Ryan Tannehill can like spread out the ball more and, and, and kind of, kind of have more ability to, you know, to, to just, to just, kind of get away from the whole Derrick Henry centric offense. And Ryan Tannehill has been playing well. I think he played really well two years ago. And then people were expecting him to, to do, to break out almost last year. And it'd be like, Oh, you know, he, he, once he's in the right offensive system and he got out of Miami, like he'll be great. And he didn't really play that well last year. And Derrick Henry was hurt, was hurt for half the season. So we also can't even, that was the, that was the craziest part. I think. And why Mike Vrabel definitely deserved the coach of the year was the fact that like, they didn't have their best player, their only offensive production, basically, for the entire last half of the season. They still got the number one seed in the AFC. Now, granted, obviously, they didn't really do anything with it, but I think that to kind of overcome all that and still be ending up in a position that's really favorable in the playoffs really deserves some credit. And so I think that, you know, this is also a signing that deserves some credit. Robert Woods, I think he's a, I think he's a great talent, and I think he can kind of – I think he's going to go – another, another kind of – thing that you need to happen when you're kind of have two good wide receivers is knowing who the number one, who the number two is, because if you, if, if both guys think that they're number one, it, theirs can cause some strife, not only in the locker room, but also on the field in terms of, you know, wanting the ball and whatever. But I think that Robert Woods will probably go in there knowing the strength of AJ Brown and the fact that he's, he is the number one receiver. And then Robert Woods kind of having, you know, having gone through the ACL injury last year, I think that's probably the only, you know, kind of worry point that I'm going to, that I'm going to point to here with this signing is that he, 
he's coming back from an ACL, which is dangerous, you know, for, for all wide receivers. So hopefully he can get all, or maybe it was an Achilles. I forget. But either way, it was not, you know, it was a season ending injury before he even started the season. So um, if, if he's good and he's back, this could be a really great signing for the Titans. They could really do some, do some damage here. Um, and I think that the, the kind of the, the, you know, the, the totem pole, uh, you know, kind of ranking system is known there where AJ Brown's the one Robert Woods is the two and, and then they can kind of just go from there. Um, but yeah, but hopefully he's okay coming off that injury. Otherwise I think it's a great, I think it's a great sign. Yeah, I also agree. I think it's a great signing. I just, I don't know. I'm not too, I don't know about the, the tight ends. Like it's, it's another one of those teams where like, I think we talked about this uh, several episodes ago, but they're like one of those teams where like, they're like kind of like the Rams where Jared Goff was holding them back. I, you know, you can sign whoever you want for the tight ends. You can do whatever you want. I just, I don't see them. What What's the biggest issue in the playoffs? And that's Ryan Tannehill. And I don't see them winning a Super Bowl with them. And maybe they prove me wrong. Maybe Tannehill proves me wrong. But what's the point of going out and signing or trading for Robert Woods and signing all these guys when Ryan Tannehill can't, you know, get over that hump in the playoffs? So, yeah, I love the signing. I just until Tennessee gets a quarterback that I believe can win a Super Bowl, I just, you know, I don't I don't really see them, you know, doing anything. Yeah, I th- I think you're kind of right with that, AZ. And I, I think I kind of take both sides here, kind of side with Matt, kind of side with AZ, because you're right, AZ. Like Ryan Tannehill hasn't shown us that he can go out and, and, and make it to the AFC championship and, you know, do really anything in the playoffs. Again, they had the, you know, they had the first round by in the playoffs this year with the one seed and they still lost against the Bengals in their, you know, in the divisional round in their first game. So that's, that's shaky there. I think that Matt, what you said with the whole, you know, take the pressure off of Derrick Henry and not make the whole offense all about Derrick Henry. I think that's interesting too, because like, yes, that's, that's the goal I think of this trade or, you know, of this signing, but it's, I don't think it's really like, it's, it's, it's hard to have Derrick Henry as the focal point of your offense. And then also, take a lot of the pressure off of him and then say, okay, well, Ryan, you know, Tannehill, you need to do your part as well. It's like, well, Tannehill a lot of times relies on the play action game and relies on Derrick Henry, you know, pulling those linebackers up so he can, you know, so he can hit a kind of like a deep crosser to AJ Brown over the middle. Like that's, that's Ryan Tannehill's game. And that's kind of what he's gotten used to in Tennessee. So I think it's going to be a little bit, I don't know if they're going to try to switch up the offense, you know, for Robert Woods at all, because, Again, Robert Woods played with Jared Goff in in Los Angeles, like AZ was saying. And I, I Jared Goff is another one of those guys that's just like Ryan Tannehill because, yeah, he did re- rely on a lot of the play-action game and a lot of, you know, that West Coast offense um, and kind of those motions that that Sean McVay was running in, in Los Angeles. And so I think that, like, in that sense, to, yeah, Tannehill, like, he doesn't really know how to run an offense that, um, that that can you know kind of function on its own without Derrick Henry, and I think that that's something that Mike Rabel and I forget who the offensive coordinator there is, but that's something that they're going to have to get figured out first. Is like, okay, if if we do kind of want to take some of the pressure off of Derrick Henry and still have one of the best running backs in the league, who's probably going to get you know the rushing, um, who's probably going to win the rushing title, you know, every year from here on out until he retires. That's hard. To, that's kind of hard to balance. There is it's it's hard to find kind of a medium between relying a lot a lot on Derrick Henry and then also okay saying you know we've got two really good wide receivers here let's kind of start passing more and not relying so much on Derrick Henry it's it's hard to find a medium when you have such a strong uh, running game with Derrick Henry and you know you've kind of run this offense for 
for a good while, it's it's hard to kind of like switch up that offense. And I think that, again, that, that could be a good idea, but I don't know how Ryan Tannehill is going to fare with that if they do try to do that, like Matt was kind of suggesting. So it'll be kind of interesting to see um, what, what, you know, Tennessee does there with that too. But I, I do like how a lot of, you know, a lot of these wide receivers are moving this offseason because it's, again, it, it kind of leaves it up to the quarterback in, in, in a lot of these cases and to, you know, kind of, prove themselves to their teams because we've seen this, you know, we, we've said it countless times for uh, Ryan Tannehill and, you know, um, Ryan Tannehill and, and Jared Goff and all those guys who like haven't really proved themselves yet, but when you give them wide receivers who are, you know, who can do it and we know that they've proven themselves in the league already, when you give them those receivers and they still can't prove themselves, then, you know, okay, we need to change a quarterback. So that's a really good way to do that. And I th- I'm, I'm happy about these receivers to, um, you know, moving around, I guess. So I guess the, the, the next topic would be the guys that we still haven't seen sign with, with anybody. And that the main guys here are Baker Mayfield and Tyron Matthew. We've also got Bobby Wagner, but he's kind of a veteran. Again, we didn't really talk about him much last episode because, yeah, he, he's a veteran. And, he, you know, he's probably just going to go to one of these super teams. Um, and that'll be that. But I think that Baker Mayfield is going to be a good discussion here because there is some thought that he's going to move. There's also, you know, a theory that he might stay with the Browns and um, just kind of be, you know, a, a, a or like a scapegoat for um, when Deshaun Watson might not play, might get suspended. So I'm going to let you guys take it away here, whichever one of you wants to talk. Um, and yeah, just talk about Baker Mayfield, what you think Cleveland's doing with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, I was sort of thinking about this the other day. And yeah, we might see Watson get suspended. Don't really obviously know about the whole details of, you know, everything that's going on with him. Um, obviously, I still think it's a great trade by Cleveland. They, you know, they're that team that you see. We were just talking about Ryan Tannehill. Um, Baker Mayfield was sort of holding them back. They had the offense. They have the running backs. They have the defense. Um, and sort of Baker was holding them back. And so great move by Cleveland and Andrew Barry um, going out and getting Deshaun Watson. They really had to. They had no choice with all these AFC quarterbacks. So great move. Um, when talking about Baker Mayfield, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't see any suitors for him anymore. Uh, I, I think Seattle is sort of going to really give Drew Locke a try. Um, and then even if they trade for Baker, I mean, they're kind of the same quarterback. I don't really see much difference there. So I don't see them taking up Baker's $18 million salary. Um, instead, they'll just stick with Drew Locke, maybe draft a quarterback um because they have the ninth overall pick now um and then you also you know you think about the Panthers have no clue what the Panthers are doing I guess they're going to stick with Sam Darnold maybe Kenny Pickett in the draft um don't really see them trading for Baker so honestly like we don't really know what's going to happen I think maybe what's going to happen the fact that nothing no one's been really talking about him and you haven't seen much in the news about him they might even end up just keeping him. The only thing that stops me from saying that is they signed Jacoby Brissett. So my thing is like, you, you're not going to keep all three on your roster. So I don't know, like worst case scenario, they just release him. And I guess he just waits till training camp for like maybe an injury to happen or a quarterback need that pops up. So I don't know, really a weird position for Baker to be in. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know where he fits. It's, 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 it's a really weird situation. I don't know if um, you, Matt, have anything else to say about that. The weird part is that he's in, he's going into the last year on his rookie deal. Right. So it's almost that situation where, and we talked about this after the Browns made kind of that 
playoff run two years ago where they, you know, they got in the playoffs as a wild card. They beat the Steelers by like 30 in that first, you know, that first uh, first playoff game. And then they lost to the Chiefs, but honestly should have beaten the Chiefs. There was a lot going on there. And so that kind of had that gave the Browns a lot of hype going into last year. And then everything like what usually happens when the Browns get a lot of hype, <laughs> um, it kind of just it kind of just blew up and, and nothing really came of it. And so that's really the interesting part here, though, is that you you kind of go into you see the Browns excel two years ago and they beat the Steelers and, you know, they're longtime rivals. And this is an ex- a historic win for the Browns franchise. And then the question became. What are the what are the Browns going to do with Baker? Are they going to pay him? Because to be honest, like that's a really talented team. They have a lot of defensive pieces. They have a lot of skill position players. And, and it's kind of like Baker's been able to do what he could, but he's not really t- he's not being great in order to take the team kind of to the next level there. So that was the question. It was like, are you just are they going to pay him or are they just going to kind of see what they can do and then maybe move on a little bit? And so the fact that he was also the number one overall pick, like. I think there's a lot going here in the sense that like, you know, it's, it's at least probably worth it to try out Baker for a year. And, and I don't know where that'll be. And AZ just kind of ran through the list of teams and it seems like nothing re- like, for example, I mean, he brought up the Panthers. I read an article that it, it apparently Baker Mayfield and the Panthers, there it was like, like, there was some headline or whatever. And it was like, have mutual disinterest in each other or like, you know, with, and it's like, why? Like, what? First of all, if you're Baker and you probably and you know that you basically just lost your job, why do you not want to go to the Panthers who like, yeah, it's not a great situation there. Matt Rule is kind of coming under some fire, but you do have Christian. Well, I mean, the whole that Christian McCaffrey also might be traded, you know, by the by the time the season starts. But it's like there's at least something to do there. And and the Panthers kind of need a quarterback. So, like, from their end, they want to keep Sam Darnold over Baker. Like, I would take Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold any day of the week. Right. So it's like, how do these teams have mutual disinterest when when like you're honestly getting Baker at probably the, the best possible time in his career where, yeah, he's not the greatest, but he's at least cheap and still has potential to do something great or at least you know, be better, I think, or, or just something different from it for an organization who may be struggling right now. So that's kind of where I'm at with this is like, it's a good time to sign Baker, but if even someone like the Panthers don't want him and he doesn't want to go there, what's the deal with this? I also saw there was like, people were like, Oh, you know, he should go to the Cowboys. And then he basically like got up and told everyone like, no, I'm not going to the Cowboys. So it's like, all right, like I, I get that you know, he was a number one overall pick and he wants, you know, he wants his flowers, but at the same time, it's like from his perspective, I'm, I'm talking to Baker right now, like, dude, you kind of have to take what you can get to some extent. Like yeah. you're not going to be just placed in an amazing situation somewhere and have immediate success because you kind of had that with the Browns and you didn't really perform. So now it's not like you get the, you get the, you know, the overall or the end all be all, you know, like choice of your career being like, I just don't really want to go there. So I'm just not going to, but it's like, to some extent, you kind of got to choose somewhere that you want to go or else you're going to end up without a job. So that's kind of the other side of this is like, and, and you're still in your rookie deal. So like, you got to get someone to pay you if you want to make a career out of this. So I think that he's kind of getting lost in the weeds a little bit, thinking about, honestly, thinking too highly of himself when it seems that clearly a lot of other teams, including the Panthers who like have Sam Donald, like don't even want him. So, so that's kind of the interesting thing to me, but I do think that AZ brings up an interesting point. Yes. They signed Jacoby Brissett, but I think that 
like Deshaun Watson's going to get suspended, right? I mean, he has to be. And so I think that like, to, and, and it may be, you know, maybe four games, it may be six games, it may be, but it could be eight or 10 games. And so if we're talking in a situation about that, we're like, oh my gosh, the Browns are going to be competing for the AFC championship with, you know, with Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, they could be, but if they don't have him for 10 games, what are they going to do? Like, they're going to need a quarterback. So you might as well keep a guy who's been there, has established a relationship with the team, the offense, the defense, and whatever. He at least, you know, for as much mediocrity as he puts out on the field, he at least has a good, he's a big heart, and he plays really hard, right? I mean, he played most of those games last year with like a, like his, basically his shoulder was torn off, and he was like, no, I want to keep playing. So he's, he's a really tough guy, and he plays hard. And, and so, if you're not really sure where this Deshaun Watson thing is going to go, especially when it comes to the the realization that like he could legit be suspended for a very large portion of the season. I think you should at least retain, you know, Baker Mayfield for, for the last year of his rookie deal, because you're not going to be paying him that much. And then once the Deshaun Watson thing is all figured out, hopefully by the beginning of next season, you can have Deshaun for a full season, kind of, you know, live out that contract with him, get rid of Baker, cut him after the rookie deal. I think it all just works out that way, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's something that they want to, go back to and maybe it's almost bad enough to the point where they just don't want to even keep him anymore go ahead easy and sort of to speculate i mean i was just kind of looking at all these teams out there and like yeah he does think highly of himself but if i'm baker mayfield i'm trying to go to a spot where like some of these quarterback situations around the nfl aren't really you know they're not solidified yet so i was just like thinking about um we were just talking about the titans okay like Ryan Tannehill gets injured or doesn't perform mid-year. I would like Baker in that offense. I think Baker might be better than Tannehill. Or if you look at the Jets, I mean, they signed Joe Flacco to be their backup again. But, I mean, the Jets are another team. Like, they're building all these pieces. They, you know, they're building this defense. And I'm, I am I love Zach Wilson. I know last year I talked a lot about him on uh, season one. Um, I'm still a believer in Zach Wilson. I still think he can be really good. Um, but you know, maybe going to Zach Wilson being sort of like a mentor. I know we don't really see Baker as a mentor there. Um, maybe the Texans. I mean, I love Davis Mills. I'm a huge Davis Mills believer as well. Those two guys, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, I love, but being a backup to Davis Mills, I mean, the Texans, you, you don't know what's going on over there. Um, and the Giants, I was just thinking about the Giants, Daniel Jones. I mean, I don't know about what you guys think, but I think Baker Mayfield's better than Daniel Jones. So but it's just about he needs to realize where his best shot is, just like Marcus Mariota. Look, he went he went to the Raiders. He sort of rejuvenated his career just being a backup. Whenever he came in, he got the job done. Um, who was another guy I was thinking of that sort of rejuvenated his careers? He was a backup. I can't think of him any. Oh, Mr. Trubisky. Mr. Trubisky. He was with the Bills for a year. Um, backed up Josh Allen. Definitely learned a lot from him. Um, not really rejuvenated, but you know, he sat, he learned, he learned from a good offense and let's see what he does with Pittsburgh this year. I, I kind of like the signing there too. So I think he should sort of look at Mitch Trubisky. He should be, all right, this is what Trubisky did. It didn't work out in the bears. It didn't work out for me with the Browns. Let me go somewhere, sit behind a good quarterback, or maybe not a good quarterback, but somewhere where I might have a chance to start and learn and sit a little. And then like Marcus Merida sign a two year, $18 million contract um, in the next two years. So, I mean, when it comes to money and you're looking at all that, like, I think that's the best case scenario for him. I don't think he should be going somewhere where like, he's going to, he should be necessarily fighting for the job. Obviously everyone wants to be the starter and fight for the job, but 
You know, I think not going to the Panthers is good. Like, do not go to the Panthers. You do not have a good offensive scheme. You just don't. Just go to somewhere where there's a good offensive scheme, like the Jets with that whole Kashanahan scheme. And um, the Giants, I think, uh, now that they have Brian Dayball, I mean, they might sign him because he will see what he did with Trubisky. So, I don't know. There's a lot of those teams where you kind of think about that. Like, I didn't think about before that he could go to, but it's just about, like you said, Matt, like, he needs to realize what he really is and not really an elite starter. He needs to sit down, learn behind someone, humble himself, and then maybe rejuvenate his career in the next like year or two. Yeah. If there's one person in the league that I would expect to act like this in free agency, it's, it's Baker Mayfield. Cause yeah, like you guys have been saying, he's, he's got a, he's got a big ego. Cause again, you know, he was, he was that, he was the walk on at, at Oklahoma and, you know, golden boy who, who went from a walk on to, you know, I'm winning the Heisman. And so it's just like, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's definitely got to throw away those college days where he was the best, you know, in the best in the whole league. And he's got to realize, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not the guy that everybody's looking at in free agency right now. So I just got to take my medicine and go, go somewhere again, like, like AZ said, preferably somewhere where they have an offensive scheme that's, you know, set and, and stable. But again, like if, if the only option is going to a Carolina just to, you know, kind of show what he has there, then I guess that's, I, I think that's even better than just staying in, in Cleveland because again, like, yeah, you can sit behind Deshaun Watson, but like, you're not, you're not going to play with Deshaun Watson playing there unless he, get, he gets this suspended. And then I'd feel like a lot of people are just going to kind of forget about you if you stay in Cleveland. Like they're not going to, you know, since it, since they haven't seen any like really, really good potential from you, if you're sitting behind Deshaun Watson, I think, people, yeah, I think people might forget about Baker Mayfield. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that he he should make a move this offseason because I think that's going to give him the best chance in terms of like putting himself out there to at least be a backup somewhere and not just be forgotten in Cleveland. All right. So if, if we want to kind of move on to this last question um, before we kind of wrap up this this episode. Well, I, OK, do you guys want to do QBs like the, the, the QB question? Do you want to talk about the change ups in broadcasting? I think we sort of we sort of talked about the quarterbacks. Yep. Um, I mean, I think we can all pretty much agree that Tua has the most pressure <laughs> to do well this season. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. I I think we can go on to the broadcast stuff. All right, Matt, take it away. Okay, so we actually talked about this probably probably about a month ago, maybe even more, um, when all this stuff first started to surface about how kind of we've been used to the same commentators and broadcasters basically just doing the the same game for the same networks for this for like 10 10 15 years right and that was essentially joe buck and troy aikman did the you know the 425 nfl primetime fox right jim nance and uh well it was first phil sims and then tony romo for the last five or six years have done the um the cbs you know primetime whatever and then you have al michaels and chris collinsworth they've done nfl uh, you know, the Sunday night game on, on NBC and then ESPN for Monday night football has been actually changed up a lot um, recently, but there's been some major news. And obviously, I mean, you know, it's not like game changing going to be like, whoa, this is going to be crazy. It's just going to be weird to hear these different guys on different networks. And I kind of, I think probably care about this a little bit more. Just, it sounds like I'm getting into it like a lot, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not going crazy over it, but it's like, I kind of just, I, I kind of like to, to kind of, you know, cause we get used to these guys. We're used to hearing them. And so it's kind of cool to see like where they go and what they're doing. So 
the kind of the updates are basically uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are staying together, but instead of being at Fox, they're going to go to ESPN and they're going to do Monday Night Football every week, which is going to, I think it's going to be great because I think that, I don't know, I just think that Monday Night Football has been very underwhelming in, in the commentator space just because like they had, you know, you had like Sean McDonough and he was really boring. And then you know, had Mike Tirico before he moved to NBC and John Gruden. They were, they were kind of the, the two that, that were doing it for a while there. But then, yeah, Sean McDonough, then they had like Greg Olson was on there for, no, I think it was Jason Witten was on there for a year. And then it was like, they switched to then the three of the guys now is Lewis Riddick, uh, Steve Levy and Brian Greasy. But it's like, who even are those guys? And so now you actually have, you know, a, 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 a you know, established duo who's really, I like, I like George Buck and Troy I think, together. I think they're good. Um, and maybe it's just because I'm used to hearing their voices, but either way, um, I think they're going to do a really great job on ESPN. And I think it's honestly, I mean, even beyond football, Joe Buck does like all of the, the MLB playoff games. Like obviously, you know, baseball's in the fall and it's at the same time as like kind of the, the football season. So nobody really sees it, I guess, but like Fox does all of the MLB postseason stuff. And it's like, you know, all the playoffs for that stuff. And he calls like the major games. So that's even a big switch up for even, not even just football, but kind of beyond there too. Um, and then Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit. Uh, are doing the Thursday night games on for Amazon. And this is something that I actually kind of predicted. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's going to happen to where I guess, because I, I just kind of read about it. Apparently like Amazon offered Al Michaels, like insane sums of money to, to do their games on for Thursday night. And then Kirk Herbstreit just kind of worked out for him because he essentially has always wanted to do pro football. He's been a college analyst for however long he's been doing game day for, you know, for like 20 years. Um, and he's been calling the games on ESPN, you know, the bigger games at night and stuff like that. So that's kind of, I think an interesting thing too, to where you almost have a, you know, a guy who's been doing, you know, pro football Sunday night games forever. And then a guy who's been doing college forever. And both of them are good analysts. And I think they're going to work well together too, but it's going to be kind of a, a, a good, a good, I think, dynamic in terms of Al Michael's kind of this old guy and Kirk Herbstreet's like been in the business forever, but he's still kind of, he's a lot younger than Al Michael's. I think it'll work out well, but I think the Thursday night games, that means that Thursday night games are only going to be available on Amazon this year too, which is kind of being like, you have to have Amazon prime to watch Thursday night games, which is kind of going to be weird. So, yeah. So I, I, and then I think, I don't know if like Sunday, I don't think, I don't know if NFL or sorry, NBC has like replaced Anybody, I think I, I didn't even really look it up beforehand, but I don't know if they've replaced anybody like for Al Michaels and then kind of what Fox is going to do. I don't think any of the networks have really announced what their changes are going to be, but it's kind of just cool how all three of these are shit. The only one that's staying the same is Jim Nance and, and, uh, and, uh, and Tony Romo and CBS. So I think it's going to be different. It's going to be cool. It's going to be good to just hear some, some different voices and stuff. But I think, I also think it's kind of like an end of an era to a certain extent, because a lot of times, like we used to have a lot of different commentators for all these different games. And now it's kind of like everything's being shifted up all at once. So, um, I guess, I guess I'm honestly, I'm honestly kind of given my, uh, doing doing a salute to the uh to the old guard who've been kind of you know doing it for the last 10 years or so here on all these respected networks and so now it's just, i don't think it's just gonna be cool to hear everyone else do it yeah the amazon thing i think is a little bit interesting because if you have to have amazon prime to watch thursday night football i think a lot of people are going to be a little bit mad over that i i am because this past year i don't know if you guys remember but like thursday night games used to suck they used it used to be like you know, the Dolphins and the Giants, like every Thursday night. And, but now I think this year they made the change to where every team, all 32 teams have to play on Thursday night football once. And so I think there was 16 weeks of Thursday night football. So that makes sense, you know, 16 times two, 32. But um, yeah, like, I think that that made it a lot better this season. I think that like Thursday night football was one of the most exciting things to watch because 
I, it was like the first the first eight games or something like that, like the first half of the season for Thursday Night Football, all the games were really good. And they were like high scoring and really close games. And it was a, it was a big switch up from the years before this past year. And so I think that like maybe, I don't know, maybe Amazon saw that and they were like, OK, well, let's go ahead and, you know, buy up Thursday Night Football so that we can feature it on, on our platform. But then again, you have people you have a lot of people that don't have Amazon Prime. Maybe it'll encourage people to buy Amazon Prime. But again, like. Thursday night football has always been one of those things that's just come with pretty much every cable service or every, you know, I guess like streaming service that you have YouTube TV, whatever it may be. So yeah, I, I think it's, I don't, I don't know if it's like any different than it being on, on ESPN. It just sounds different because Amazon prime is one of those things that you have to buy like separately from your cable or separately from your streaming service. So that'll be a little bit interesting. Again, you know, I, I wonder if people are going to buy Amazon prime just to watch Thursday night football, but I feel like it, feel like it might affect their their viewers a little bit here because like yeah again people you know don't have amazon prime and so it's just like are people really going to watch it or are people really going to buy it just for that but um, how how can you you know how can you avoid football like amazon is just like a beast like they they're so like just smart like i don't know like yeah no for people, sure people are gonna get prime now just for, america loves football yeah. Like they, just, they love it. Like how they, they're not going to sit on their Thursday on a Thursday night, scrolling through Twitter and Instagram, seeing other people watching football and they don't have prime the next morning. They're going to be like, we need to get prime. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like great. I mean, besides football, great move by Amazon. Yeah. They're just dominating <laughs> everything at this point. Like they're going to own the NFL like in the next 10 years, probably. <laughs> but no. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, AZ. And again, like it's it's great. It's not even really marketing. It's just like a yeah, it's just a great business move altogether because, yeah, now people are definitely going to want to buy Amazon Prime just because of football. And then you're going to get, you know, pe- people who buy Amazon Prime are going to want to buy more products on Amazon because it'll be express shipping and everything like that. Yeah, it's a great move. I uh, I guess the other, you know, the, on- the only other piece is, is Troy Aikman and Joe Buck here. And uh, those guys, yeah, they're staples, dude. And they, you know, they're like seven they're they're each like 60 years old but they look like they're you know 30 because they have so much makeup on all the time and yeah it's 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 gonna be a classic you know hearing those guys voice but again on monday night football it's gonna be a little bit weird because this past season we were used to hearing steve levy um and brian greasy and uh and i forget who the other dude is but yeah that's i think they're gonna be a lot better for monday night football but again it'll be interesting to see what fox does for their commentators I don't, I don't know. They might even do like a little switch up with uh, ESPN with Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And we'll kind of keep you guys updated on that. All right. Sounds good. Well, we are at the time where we are going to wrap up this episode. Thank you, AZ, for coming on again. Again, we're, we're going to have a, a draft episode. We're definitely going to have a mock draft like right before the draft happens. And then we'll probably have an episode or two before that mock draft episode where we kind of you know after the ncaa tournament ends that's pretty much all we're going to have to talk about so we'll, we'll definitely have one or two episodes um kind of going over what we think about the guys in the draft and kind of breaking down um breaking down the guys in the draft like we did last year i mean that was one of the one of the biggest things on this podcast last year in 2021 that we did so yeah really excited to do that and we'll all three be on here for that so look forward to that and then all also, we'll have our um, our Tuesday episode this coming Tuesday. We have a, a special surprise for you guys for that episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, and yeah, we're going to be talking about college basketball mainly, but that'll be that'll be fun there. So 
Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys on Tuesday.